to you from the City Roses. This is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we are going to be doing a follow-up episode to what we had earlier this week where we had Philippe Sanchez from Loom Lash, the CEO, come on and share about Lash robots, technology, AI, and all this other crazy stuff that no one knew existed two weeks ago. And now the blue, a week ago, a post came up on Instagram and the world of lashes is now talking about robots taking over our industry and putting us out of work. And hopefully you listened to that episode. If you haven't, please go back, listen to that one first because Philippe really addresses those concerns, explains why we need lash robots and all that fun stuff. And today I'm going to sit down with my amazing business partner and wife, Tusney, and go into more detail. We're going to share about what it was like for us to consult because we're still consulting. I should say what was. We are consulting, but how we got involved. Also, we're going to share about the experience, like what's it like. So you're going to get a little bit more inside information about this whole thing because I know a lot of you think this looks incredibly painful. It looks really dangerous, and we're going to put all those fears to rest. We also ended up uh, at the end, we're going to talk a little bit more about why this is a good idea and how this could actually be a net win for our industry. Hopefully, you'll stick around for it all. It's a great episode, a lot of information, and you're really going to be well-equipped or at least know what's going on in our industry as far as technology and robots and all that. But before I do that, guys, we have one announcement that I'm going to focus on today, and that is LashCon. Hopefully, this comes out on Thursday, the 10th of June, which means tomorrow, the 11th of June, tickets for LashCon finally go on sale. Yes, it's been a long road and we've had a lot of obstacles, but we finally got everything lined up. Everything's in place. Well, there's still some details, not on the website, thank goodness, but other details we're working on. But yes, everything is ready to go. Tickets are going to be up online and ready to be sold. And guys, I just wanted to tell you a couple things. You really don't want to miss out on this new uh, kind of venture we have called Day One. It's going to be on Friday. It's a pre-event and it's a leadership development workshop with Anthony Trucks. He's a former NFL player. He's a speaker internationally. He's an author. He's a business coach. He's someone that I know when you're done, you're going to walk out as a better leader. And one of the things we don't work on at all as last stylists is our leadership skills. We tend to focus on technique and maybe a little bit on the salon, but we don't work on ourselves as much. And if you run a business in any way, or if you're a manager, you're a leader. Actually, basically the way we like to look at it is if you have any influence over anyone, you're a leader. So you need to start working on those skills. They don't come naturally, and that's what this is all about. The morning session on Friday, the November 5th, we'll be with Anthony doing a workshop. Then we're going to have lunch together. Actually, we'll have breakfast and lunch together. And then in the afternoon, we're going to break into mastermind groups. So this is really going to be a room full of real driven lash artists. So this is going to be an amazing group. This isn't going to be your average, just run-of-the-mill lash artist. These are people who want to grow and change the world of lashing. So this is going to be an amazing group. We're going to break into tables, and we're going to deal with topics and discuss issues that you have in your business and help you with your business. So we may, we're working out the details, but the idea is we'll have maybe one area will be a table where you talk about branding. Another table we can talk about customer service. Another place where you talk about sales or customer acquisition. And then we're going to work together and help each other find solutions for our problems. And so you're going to walk away with a just even before LashCon starts, right? You have all these ideas, all these things you can do to help grow your business. And plus, it's going to be a great networking opportunity. And that's something that I think was the biggest surprise two years ago is how many people walked away with new friendships, new partnerships, new people that could collaborate. And what's nice about coming to LashCon is maybe you feel a little hesitant to be best friends with a person that's across the street from you. But when your Lash artist is like two 
100 or 500 or 1,000 miles away from you, they're not competing with you, right? So you can be best friends. You can share. You can support each other and help each other out. And so what's cool, if you're, especially if you're a little bit shy, on this first day, you're going to be forced in these groups to hang out and connect with people. So when we get done around 5, 5.30 on Friday, you're going to already have probably 5, 6, 10 people that you're connected with, friends that you can see for the rest of the con, and people that you can call when this is all over and help you continue to grow your business when you face problems. So day one is amazing. Yes, it does cost more money. It's uh, starting at $13.89, but I assure you guys for the extra like 500 bucks, you get so much more that whole day plus guys you get vip ticket to LashCon and all the bonuses with that and plus we have socials parties open bar for the vip cocktail party um we're, we're doing lots of things award shows um we have a, a a lash off competition with some of the biggest names in the industry as far as lash founders we have a charity event all that so you don't want to miss LashCon, and you want to get your tickets right away because we will i almost 99.9% .9 sure we're going to sell out this time. We don't have unlimited seats and we definitely don't have, uh, we have limited seats for day one and limited seats for VIP. So if you want to get in, you need to on Friday, set your clocks. I'm hoping to have it up in the early morning on the Pacific, uh, standard time. It might be more around noonish, but once those go out, we'll send an email, let everyone know and buy your ticket. And by the way, if you're not a LashCast Insider, go to the show notes right now, click on that link or go to our Instagram, click on the link and sign up via Insider so that you will get a discount code that you can use over the next week as a LashCast Insider. Okay, that was a long setup for LashCon, a little longer than normal, but I felt like because ticket sales are starting tomorrow, I really want to get into details of why day one is the ticket you want to get into, if, especially if you want to invest in your business last year and a half you've been kind of maybe a wall maybe a little not as driven a little discouraged well lash cunt is going to reignite that fire re-engage you and give you so much um just strategy and so much information and just lift you up when you're done you're going to be like ready to take over the world and you're going to go back to work and it's going to be amazing i promise you that so all right guys that's all for announcements now let's get into the part that you've all been waiting for, where Tustin explains how and why we got involved with Loom, as well as share what the customer experience is like. I know you're going to love this episode. Hey guys, we're in the LashCast studios. I am here with Tustin. Welcome to the show. Hey, babe. Hey there. How are you? Yeah, it's been an interesting week. Let's just say that. And there's a lot of people intrigued, excited and annoyed and upset and bothered and worried. And there's just lots of emotions because mm -hmm. people are wondering what is going on? Why is there a robot all of a sudden in the room? Instead of there an elephant in the room, we have a robot in the room. And so everyone's talking about it and people are, are worried and people are concerned. And some people actually, weird enough, not weird enough, I actually think I knew this would happen. The people who follow our page were like, yeah, this is cool, I can't wait to see what happens. Which was kind of encouraging to see a lot of people also excited about it. And I think that's our tribe. The people who are curious about the unknown, who want to see new things, who like change. Are right? into innovation. Yeah. They're intelligent. They're inquisitive. They're like embracing, yes. you know, the change. That's our base that we've built over the last three years. It's kind of cool to see that pay off a little bit because I've gone to other pages where everyone is just totally poo-pooing the whole idea. And then they come to our page and go, oh, there's people like, this is cool. Let's see what happens. They may still be concerned, but at least they're like, let's see more. It's a different perspective, right? Exactly. So today 
we want to follow up our episode we had earlier this week where we had Philippe from Loom Lash, the CEO. We had the CEO on, which was very cool. And he shared a lot of good stuff. And I think he hopefully brought the nerves down the a little bit. The level of panic down yeah. a little bit. This isn't, you know, meant to take your job away. No, in fact, it is uh, intended to partner with talented lash artists. They're looking to hire stylists. If you want to continue working eight, 10 hours a day, hunched over someone, good for you. That's great. And that's probably the most people listening want to continue to do what they do. But for some people, especially maybe if you're a little older, or if you've been lashing for 10, 15, 20 years, you're ready for a little change, maybe a little easier job, physically demanding that is, but still working with lashes and still using your skills because they're not saying that the robot's going to do everything, right? And we'll get into this. So there is opportunity for people to find a job. And there's not going to be 5 billion robots anytime soon doing everyone's job. So they're just going to take a small portion of the market and they're going to expand the market, we think, to people who have never gone into a salon because they don't want to spend two, three hours. They're going to be going for a 20-minute quick appointment. So it's all positive in our eyes. But that said, let's get into some nuts and bolts. Today, we want to talk about first, how did we get involved? Because I'm sure some people following us know, if you've been looking at our Instagram for the last year, Tessie's been flying up to Oakland. And we've talked about this openly, like, hey, she's consulting with a beauty company. And that was about it. That was the extent of the knowledge. But now we want to pull back the curtain, kind of share how we got involved and what that was all like. Then we want to talk about what is the experience like? Because I know a lot of people are scared or feel like, oh, the robot's going to suck. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be painful. It's going to kill people. It's going to be Arnold doing lashes, right? So we want to help dispel those myths and now, put some real truth in there. When you say Arnold, let's yeah. just talk about Arnold's this. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's, he's referring to Terminator. The Terminator right? is okay, going to yeah. do your lashes. <laughs> yeah, I forget. We do have a generation that maybe didn't grow up with Arnold from the cartoon. Yeah, what was that? That cartoon? The football head? Yeah, the football head kid. Yeah, yeah. whatever. And some people are like, what's that? Okay, we're really dating ourselves. Anyhow, another thing we want to talk about is a little bit what is the robot exactly going to look like is what we saw right now was a prototype. That's not the robot that's going to do lashes. So some people are like, oh, it's so weird. It's ugly. Yes, guys, that's a prototype. It's the first generation. It's a working model. Yeah, it's just proof of concept. They're trying to just make sure this thing works before they go out. And they've already actually designed, at least uh, you know, for now, and this could change too, of course. And it's beautiful. If you see it, it's on the page, our Instagram Yeah, our page. Instagram. We actually posted a, a mock-up of what they hope it will look like. I don't know if that will be the final decision of what it will be because obviously there's the designer and then there's the engineer and the two have to meet somewhere in the middle to make both things work, right? It can't just be pretty looking. Actually, it has to be functional too. So we'll see what the how that goes. Also, we will then talk about why you really don't need to be concerned. We want to revisit that and go over some of your fears and some of your concerns and, and all that and help address that. So let's get into the first part, Tess. How did we get involved with Loom? Did they – did we – seek them out? Did we go out job searching one day and say, I know, I want to go work for a robotics company that does lashes? Well, it started when we, it was the very first time that we spoke at uh, ISSC in Long Beach, the International Flash Expo. Yes, Long Beach in 2017. Pre-Lashcast, by the way. We didn't record our first episode until that September, October of 2017, and then we didn't air it till 2018. So this is all before anything else was moving on. Right. This is when we had the salon, and we used it as an opportunity for our staff to come and experience the show and also to... And we start doing training. Education. We want to start doing more education. We had been training our staff. We had been training 
in our salon locally type stuff. But now we want to go to trade shows and kind of lift up our name. So it was a training on last. Oh, that's right. We brought the video camera and everything. Yeah. yeah. We had a model there and basically I went into how the adhesive works and basically an introduction to cyanoacrylate and that it bonds with water. It's not dissolved with water. And, and that- this before anyone was rinsing, it was forbidden to rinse lashes. Everyone was saying it would cause chalk polymerization and that people's lashes would fall out. Yeah. 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 January, 2017, this was the norm. Yeah. And so that was kind of like a big reveal that we were talking about. Anyway, there was standing room only. The room was packed out and Nate Harding, who is the CTO, the chief technical officer and and also the founder of Loom Lash was in the room and he was looking for people to partner with, with yeah. work with, to find out more about the things that they didn't know because they're, he's an engineer. And he had already built a successful robotics company. Yeah, called Esco Bionics. Basically, they were like the exoskeletons for you know physical therapists. And the weird fact is my dad worked for a company called Intuitive, and they built a robot that basically does surgery on, well, now it's mostly prostate and other type Gall of organs. Gallbladder It's called the uh, Da Vinci. Da Vinci. And in LA, it's in all the big major hospitals. And it's highly regarded because it basically allows a doctor to be less invasive in doing surgeries in the cavity of the body. And what's nice about it is that the recovery time is really quick. And my dad was one of the engineers that helped to develop that technology back in the 90s and early 2000s. And Nate, actually worked at this company after my dad left, but he had worked there. So there was like this, for me, an instant like connection, like, oh my gosh, you're a part of my dad. So yeah. Robotics and that kind of Silicon Valley tech was just in, in our blood. Yeah. We both grew up in San Jose. In San Jose. Yeah. My very first job was soldering printed circuit boards for my dad's company. Every kid, I think, growing up, at least in the uh, 70s and yeah. 80s. It's too hard now. It's too much small. But back in the 70s and 80s, you could still see these circuit boards and you could solder them. Yeah. It's a part of the right So we were very <laughs> familiar with it, working with engineers. And so when Nate approached me and said, hey, I've got this idea, we were open because it was part of our reality that robotics and could work. It could be something of, of reality. And what he liked about you is your talk about Sanoraculates. I remember him being very impressed saying, you actually get it. You understand how Sanoraculate glue works. A lot of people were saying, you don't get them wet. It's going to dissolve it. You don't put oil on it. It's going to dissolve it. And so what I think was a bridge for him to see, to partner, to ask me was that I approach things a little bit different from a scientific viewpoint instead of, obviously I'm a beauty professional, but there, it was based on more than just what we're hearing in the lash echo chamber or the beauty chamber. So he said, Hey, come up, to, you know, to San Francisco, let's talk about this opportunity. Yeah. And then we came up and hung out for a day. It was cool. It was like, well, first off, San Francisco, we just love the city. It's like, I always thought I was going to one day live in San Francisco, but that, that didn't quite happen. At least not yet. Well, I went to school in San Francisco it, yeah, so right. another lifetime ago. I went That's to right. fit him. So we went up and we hung out for a day and he kind of showed us what their plans are. And they, he had, if I remember, didn't he have some mock-up video or something like that showed the concept of what was going to be? Something or? like that. Yeah. They had also, the other founding partner is Lynn from Skin Spirit, who has a chain of med spas so it sounded intriguing they didn't have anything yet they were just starting but um, which we didn't know by the way because we saw some sort of I, that's not a video i think we saw a print some photos like i think it was concept art and i remember like oh my gosh they've already created a robot like i was like shocked they're not like coming to us with this idea they've created the robot and then we found oh no it's not actually made this is this concept art they're just now picking the team kind of like putting the band together 
and all that. So our philosophy is that they didn't have a product yet. They were just, it was just a concept, but our philosophy, Paul, Paul and I, we always say yes to the meeting, say yes, be open, talk to people and network with people, find out. And you can't stop progress guys, by the way, if something's coming. It's going to come. It's not like by us going, no, we're going to thwart your plans. I'm going to stop you or something like that. Somehow that would stop the last robot from existing. Like they'd be like, okay, I guess we're not going to do it because Paul and Tuss came hard against us, said we shouldn't do it. They don't care. They're going to go find someone else that's going to be intrigued by the idea and open-minded and inquisitive, right? Well, I began to think this could be something that could really help our industry because it is progress. It's like the sewing machine, right? And instead of tailors having to sew by hand, stitch by stitch, you could rapidly put out, uh, make out several garments in a day with a machine. So just a side note that I'm just a big, hopefully perspective. There has never been a time I think maybe someone could share this with us. Maybe they'll go online and go, I can find you a perfect example where progress or innovation somehow just stopped and things got better because they decided not to progress in that industry. That industry decided, you know what? We are good right now where we're at. We're never going to innovate. We're never going to change. We're never going to evolve. We'll just continue to do what we're doing now for the next 10,000 years because all we care about are jobs and people's security and people not being scared and people being comfortable because that's the most important value. We don't care about trying to provide better services. We don't care about trying to make more money for people because maybe there's more money here for people now. We don't care about things getting quicker and easier for people. Well, didn't that work out that way for Blockbuster and Netflix? Well, yeah, yeah, they had a chance to evolve and Netflix came to them and they said no. And they lost out. You can go over time and time. Taxis, I heard some story. I don't know how true this is, but taxis had opportunity not to buy Uber by any chance, but they could have evolved and become more of an app-based service, much like Uber, as soon as Uber showed up. But they chose not to. They fought it. What about Kodak? Kodak invents the first digital camera. This is probably the best example. They invent the first digital camera. This camera company, if you guys don't know, because no one uses film anymore, basically for 100 years or whatever, 80, 100 years, ran the world when it came to photography and film because everything had to be shot on film. And they were the gold standard. Them and Fuji were the two gold standards when it came to film. And then they, their engineers think of this idea and invent this concept and, sh- and make the first digital camera. And they go, we can't do this because if we create this camera, it's going to put us out of business. And they really, they were true. They knew that they were right about that. But the problem was they could have been the ones putting themselves out of business. They could have been the ones where they said, no, we're going to evolve. We're going to go from being a digital analog company or I mean, go from being the analog company where we use film and it could have evolved into a digital company. And right now they could have owned the camera market because they would have been the first ones to market. And because they had so much clout from film, they would have taken over that world and people would have followed and bought their products. And today they'd be still a monster in the industry, but instead they were scared. They hid it in the corner. I don't know how it got from them to other people. I'm sure like anything, you great ideas spread. Out of the bag. Someone else will do it. Even if they decide not to push this through, someone else will create that digital camera. And many people did. And Kodak is not really anything. If in fact I think they went bankrupt or out of business now, or if they restructured. But that said, that is the tale that we see too often. And so the same thing could happen here. And I think that's why for us we were like, you know what? Let's just Let's take, take the ride. The Let's take the meeting. Yeah. Let's take the ride. See where this goes. We can't be scared. We have to embrace change. We have to embrace evolution, so to speak here.
So as the company developed and as they staffed it out with engineers, it was, I think it was, was it 2019 when I came up and taught the staff? Right, actually, right after we closed our salon. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like, like two or three weeks, we closed our salon, and then we come up and we te- do a training with them to teach them basically everything about lashes. Well, after I had the training made because yeah. I've been training my staff and then training other, other people. people. Yeah. So I gave the engineers the basics, the understanding of how it bonds, how the lashes work and how they grow. They actually did lashes on each other. They did. It was a two-day... Uh, it was painful. Yeah, it definitely was painful. <laughs> for themselves on yes. each other as well as you watching them going, oh, this is so hard for them. Yeah, because that's not their forte, right? No. Solving complex problems mathematically and, Engineering, and physically. Engineering, software and all that, yeah. So, and then I was available as technology. You know, they were developing for answering questions and it, that was mostly remote. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they would call once in a while or get in the, actually, I don't know if we did Zoom at the time. I think we were just doing phone calls before Zoom took off. But yeah, it was just remote and we were just constantly helping out. Not a lot. It was very once in a blue moon. They would just call, reach out. They came to the salon. That's the right. engineers came to the salon and observed. Kurt did. Nate did. Tim did. Tim did. Yeah. yeah, they actually sat down and watched Tusney do lashes just so that they could see what the experience was like. It was mm-hmm. kind of like when you see animators going to the zoo to, uh, to draw pictures of animals before yeah. they draw them in a cartoon. You want to be able to see and experience what you're about to replicate yourself and make sure that you're not doing something so out of the box that people are like, this isn't lashes. You're doing nails on yeah. my eyes or whatever. So, Philippe Sanchez, the CEO, he came in as well as Rachel Gold. She's yeah. the um, VP of marketing. And they both had services with me just so that they could have that experience. So when the salon was still open. Yeah, and that was just before all that. And then we did the training in 2019. And then COVID hit. Mm. And this is when they already had built a prototype. And I remember when they sent us a video, we were just like, Holy mackerel, they did it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is no longer just an idea. They have a robot. And what's, what are the robots? There's three of them. What are the robot's names? <laughs> It, Jacqueline, Kate, and uh, Farah from yeah. uh, Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Charlie's Angels uh, from the 70s and from the movies. Uh, this was basically a take on that, the three robots. The original name of the company was Foxeye, yeah. and they changed it, but Foxy, Foxy uh, yeah, little... Charlie's Angels. So, oh, so yeah. we lovingly refer to the, the technology as, as you know, Jacqueline or Kate or Farah. So. And by the way, we don't, they don't call them robots in there, right? Yeah, no, it, because it's not just a robot. That's just one component of the technology. There's robotics, there's computer vision, and then there's also AI, uh, artificial intelligence. And all those three things are synergistically combined, high-level piece of engineering that is able to take information and learn from it and create something that's incredibly precise. So it's not just a robot. It is a technology. So that's what they they call it, the technology. So basically... Things get there's a setback for everyone. The whole world is put on hold. They were ready to go out and start getting investors, and they were ready to really push hard on that because they had a robot that worked. It wasn't perfect by any means, but it could apply an extension onto a lash. And by the way, they were only doing classics at this time. Yes, and they were looking. They needed to have a, a body of data that showed that it, it worked, or so that they could also work out some of the kinks in it. So yeah. they, they, they were ready to start testing on people. Well, the problem first I was going to say is they they had to put off things a little bit because they were hoping to get investors right away. And then of, of course COVID hits, and no, you can't see clients and all this stuff. So they kind of put things on hold, but. At the same time, it was time for them to still want to continue to tweak and level up the robot because this robot has AI. It learns, right? 
It's not just a dumb machine that repeats one skill. It adapts and learns as it goes, and it sees, guys. It has, like, video cameras on it, so it can see Where and identify. Where every prong is, uh, there's, like, cameras everywhere. Yeah. And, and they're, like, high-powered, like, magnifying microscopic cameras. So it sees everything. So they then decided, they, you know what? We need to bring in the lash artist to work alongside so that we can continue to improve the bonds that we could evaluate the bonds and also just get feedback on what would work or not work and, and so forth. So Tusney, a year ago, August, basically 10 months ago, we agreed that since, hey, we were shut down, why not? This sounds like a great, fun thing for Tusney to do while we're shut down to be advising more on site. So it started with just a couple of days, then it grew into three days. And for most of this year, she's been traveling in the midst of COVID, been traveling to Oakland, and I went with her in the beginning just to hang out with her and because I, too, all our stuff had been put online. All our videos, all our trainings, everything was online, so I could do that from anywhere. So I would hang out with her up there, and it was fun. It was really kind of exciting time to see and work. You got to know the engineers and the whole team. Yeah. Yeah, my job was to, to work with the engineers and to help advise them and what improvements of what I saw. And also, I also looked at it as an opportunity to hopefully impact the industry. If I could give this company some basics on how to properly do lashes and the right concepts, especially about protecting the health of people's eyes and making sure that there's no myths that get involved in there, it would do a lot to elevate our whole industry. And Lumda is doing things right. They have a board of medical directors that is top notch. So to be able to work with them, there's a, a doctor who does dermatology or basically uh, patch testing Boy, allergies right. and a wonderful ophthalmologist that's also helped develop their product line, which is amazing because it's made really specifically to help the health of the eyes, the glands. If you've been listening to me for a while, that I love to talk about those meibomium glands. Yeah. So anyway, this lash line is developed to help optimize that. So getting to work with these doctors and explaining what the lash service, what the problems that lash artists can run into, what are the issues that the clients can have with lash extensions, yeah. and working to help advise them on ways to make sure that we're elevating the industry and giving the right information to people Exactly, was something of value to me. And also, I think for us, what you brought to the table was all this experience and connections. We've helped them talk to brands. We've helped them to actually go when they were we first showed up they were doing classic and Tessa's like no no guys you got classics dead not dead in reality but dead for this robot if you want the impact in that short bit of time that you want to do it you've got to move to, gotta move to volume and, yeah, yeah it was good to start on classic because the machinery and the engineers really worked on the bond and dipping the extension into the adhesive properly and making sure that it's the right humidity and and the right swiping motion and yeah. and all that good stuff so you were there to help them. And then there's been many other things too, where you advised them and, and helped them to kind of deviate or not deviate, move in the right direction for that will be best for the customer, best for the client, best for the last artist and everything. So it's been a good, fun journey. It's been fun, especially with the customer experience when the client comes in for the service to be able to advise on all the little niceties that make a lash experience like a spa visit instead yeah. of just a clinical thing get on the table well let's and get into that because that's the kind of thing i think a lot of people are like ah, i'll never get lashes from a robot because the robot is gonna, it's gonna be horrible it's gonna be cold it's gonna be painful it's gonna be like having the terminator do your lashes so there are a lot of people just felt like this is a waste of time and i do believe this i don't think anyone's job is on the line right now because the robot can't be a human but there is a human element 
to the Loom experience oh, that completely. is totally, I think, people don't get. And there's a lot of teamwork involved. So from the minute the client walks into the door, they're greeted by the host. and Just you like know, you would in a normal salon, right? Offered a beverage. It's a wonderful, jazzy little vibe. They're thoroughly consulted with a video that explains to them and shows them what they're going to experience. It kind of eliminates the fear because it shows them how safe it is. Yeah. It is designed, I don't know if you want to talk about this right now, but yeah. that... It was designed with safety in mind. It is designed to be safe. So there's no force that really is required to pick up a lash because we all know that it's so light. So those prongs are feather light. And if there's any obstruction, they just dislodge and there's no... Well, the the arm that you see, if you've seen the video or if you've seen the photos, you'll see this blue arm. And everyone thinks it's like a tweezer. Like it's this giant tweezer. And it's this really light material material. And it basically is attached to a magnet onto the robot. So if you blow on it even, and we shared this in the last episode, if you blow on it, it'll dislodge and fall off and just fall to the side. And it will not hurt anyone. It's not like someone's coming with this giant tweezer and just jamming into your eyes. And if it, if you move or hiccup or sneeze, that somehow it's going to pop your eye open. No, no, let me tell you, when he says light, it's a very light. It's like a straw or like a plastic fork yeah, like right? a or, or a yeah. spoon, right? Now, here's the thing. Sometimes it comes in and I have seen this happen where it just grazes the nose as it's coming in. You know how like when we've got our tweezers in our hands and we just hit the wrong spot. And every time it does that, it just pops right off. And the client doesn't even notice. Honestly, they're like, are we ready to go? And it's like, and for me, go oh, I got to attach. It's super easy. Now, the other part that touches that, see, that part doesn't even touch the client. That's grabbing the extension and just gluing it onto the hair. And believe me, it's like, how could they do it? But they do. Yeah. It's precise. And the robot has great vision and it's not going to jam you in the eye. Even if it tried to, it couldn't. But it, even with the vision that it has an AI, it understands the area of the, of the eye and it's very while well, it can move quickly, come in mm-hmm. and all that. It's not like going to accidentally go out of control and go all the way in and jab me or something like that. I think a human's more likely to drop their tweezer at some point while doing lashes than this thing is going to jam or hurt someone physically. Yeah, even if it does bump you, it is like the weight of a straw, and it yeah. just like I said, it just dislodges. So imagine a straw hitting you on the nose, and how painful that would be. <laughs> so anyway, and then the other part that goes in is it is making contact with the client are the prongs, yeah. and that's what isolates the lashes. And it they, feels we so call weird. I, I lovingly refer to them as bee legs because that's kind of what they, they look okay. like. They've got like a little yellow band around them that just kind of looks like the the bee uh, the pollen on a bee's leg, but it's got this really neat little sensor thing. Anyway, so those go into the lashes and just gently isolate and separate. And those also those are the ones that just will come to sludge if you blow on them. Like when I'm sanitizing, if I sanitize before, after I put those in, they'll come dislodged. So super safe. Yeah, it feels really nice. I remember I, I've had my lashes done by the ro- by the technology and I just remember going, oh, this feels a little, it was, at first it was a little weird and afterwards it actually was kind of comforting. It just felt this little, like someone was like brushing my lashes or something like that. It was kind of neat. It was definitely not, painful it, de- it definitely wasn't scary and all that now i'm gonna think people see the mask and they're like what the heck is that you guys have this all this tape all around the eye that seems a little that must be a pain in the butt well again this is a prototype and we're yeah. still working on it but basically it's the same thing that we do as lash artists you've got a little a gel pad that holds those bottom lashes down that is also required for this now because we're also harnessing the power of computer vision. 
it needs to know exactly where it is in space at all times. And so if you notice on the videos, the the mask or the gel pad is green and blue stripes. And we call those fiducial markers. It helps to know, the computer vision to know where it is. So that goes on the bottom. And then there's also an upper mask on the top. If you notice, there's tiny little boxes. It kind of looks like hieroglyphics. They're called Aruko markers. That also helps the computer to know exactly where it is so that when it sees the eye, it's not looking at the eye, it's looking at those markers and it knows exactly where it is so it can calibrate and know exactly where it is. So that's the set. This is also why if someone moves, a lot of people are like, oh, I can't imagine once you move or you sneeze or cough, like it's just they're going to get hurt or the robot's not going, it's going to miss, like it's not going to know where to go. No, that's where the AI comes in because it does know. It can't so if the client moves, it can readjust. It knows exactly where that marker is because the marker's on the client. Yeah. So So it's it adapts to you. So you're not like frozen in time. I think a lot of people make comments like, oh, you must have to sit so still. No, you and, don't. That's yeah. one of the things that we tell the clients is that when you come in, you don't have to actively be still. Yeah. If you have an itch, go ahead and scratch it. If you need to adjust your face mask, go ahead and do it. If you need to stop for any reason, let us know. It's fine. Yeah. You can see the wand will come in and it's just about to make a placement and then the client moves and adjusts and it just waits and then it goes back and resets. Also, people were talking about the glue. Like it takes seem right now, it takes a long time from the glue when it, it grabs some glue and it comes down. It's not like it's done in a second and the glue dries in one or two seconds, let's say one or two seconds. So a lot of people think it all must be a very slow drying glue. So. No, it's a very fast drying glue and we want it to dry as fast as possible. That's why yeah. we are experimenting with all different kinds of adhesives just to get the, the fastest cure time because the faster the cure time, the faster the technology can go. Yeah. Right. And the reason why then I think what people don't understand is that when they see in the bottle, these are probably newer artists, they just haven't worked enough with glues. When it says a one second dry time, it doesn't literally mean the moment you pull it out of the glue, you only have one second. <laughs> right? A lot of people are probably thinking, I have 1,000. Oh, done. All right, I'm done. So we'll throw the lash away. I start all the way. 1,001. Oh, again, lost it again. I didn't get in the second. Like, no, it, no. it doesn't try that It fast. depends on how much you pick up and it yeah. depends on the sp- how you spread it, how you wet both surfaces, that kind of, there's always a little play time there. Yeah, because once you wet it and you apply it and connect it, that's kind of when the clock starts because when it's a ball, it's thick enough. It's There's enough glue there to kind of maintain its uh, viscosity, I guess, or it's the whatever it is. <laughs> so, we, so we all know that it's an art and, and likewise, the technology and the engineers have had to work to understand the nuances of the adhesive. It does depend, changes with humidity. So the technology is enclosed and the hood is humidified. Also, the room is exactly the right humidity and airflow, which is really important as well. But I think that was the thing that people didn't understand is that inside it, because it is enclosed, they can control humidity, heat, Right. And airflow, right? Which yeah. is nice. Which is really cool. But here's the thing. Other people have said, well, I couldn't stand to be in that thing. How scary is that? It's not like that. The client... Well, let's go back let's to go when, back you walk to, in when you first and, walk in. So yeah. the host welcomes the client. They're offered a beverage. They're consulted very thoroughly. And then they go into the treatment room where they meet the engineer. Now, one day that engineer is going to be obsolete because it's going to be the lash artist that's actually working with the machine and controlling it completely, which is really cool. Think about the most technologically advanced tweezers and replace that with the technology. So anyway, then the client is invited to sit down. And this is where 
I chit chat with them and say, we're going to get you all prepped for it. So let's take your shoes off. We offer them warm, snuggly socks. If they're wearing sandals and they don't have socks on, we put their hair in a ponytail and we put a cap on them as well, like a soft hair cap. And we change the mask because the mask, the computer vision system can't see the blue because it's sensitive to that, reading that on the eye mask so that it wants to see specific neutral canvas, yeah. right? And then then they're prepped. So we say, if you want to listen to your headphones, if you wanted to just chill out, it's fine. We have all those amenities, just like you do in your lash salon. And this is where a lot of the human contact is. A lot of the, This is where lash artists, when they hire people, will be working to help set up, prep people, and get people into the machine and all that. So all those skills that you have about connecting with people and talking about what they're going to get, that's happening. And that's happening by a real person, an experienced lash artist. That's what it is. So the client gets onto the table basically like a facial bed right yeah and it is soft there's a a micro memory foam kind of pad and they just snuggle right into it and we put a weighted blanket on them and this is when we prep so just like you would a regular lash service we thoroughly cleanse the eye area and then we also prep the lashes just to make sure that it's the right ph with a prepping agent that helps the adhesive just to cure exactly And then we put the lower eye masks down or lower gel pads down. They're actually not gel. It's just a, it's just a pad. And then we also put one on the top. And so here's the thing. The technology needs to see the lashes at a certain pitch. It needs to have a certain pop, but we all know that it's really important to keep the eye closed. So that's where the esthetician or the beauty professional comes into play and makes sure that's happening. So the lashes need to be pitched at the right angle and you put the mask on and sometimes you need a little extra pop and that's what the tape is. Now, eventually we are working on the tapes and the masks and it's all going to be done a little bit more high tech. Yeah, it's a little clunky right right now, now, right? For sure it looks clunky, right? Because we are in testing phase. It's not really ready. We're working on the public right now, kind of like VIP and invited guests, but it's not the finished iteration. Yeah, I think that was a big thing for us even initially. You're like, well, this isn't going to be acceptable. Like, it's okay, Tess. This is the final product. We just needed something that works right now, and we will fine-tune this later. The bigger problem is the robot and the technology and the software. That's the stuff we really need to focus on. And then down the road, we'll go back yeah, and, and make it more aesthetically that's pleasing. Right. Right? It's not. This isn't the final. We're, we're working out the kinks, right? Then the, the client is pl- placed into the chair. They're lifted up at a certain angle. At this point, they can't open their eyes. It's actually quite comforting, that upper eye mask on. You just don't have to actively be still. It's just they can move all they want. And usually they check their phone. Not with it when they put the upper one yeah, on. Yeah, once it that's on, they're done, right? There's no like, oh, can you give me my phone? Which is kind of nice yeah. because we all know that's like, oh, can you check my phone? Oh, let me just do this. Let me check. No, they got those upper eye masks on. They can't. Yeah. So that's actually something that maybe the the lash artist we want to take a cue from, the, right? And the big thing here too, people need to realize is that these are going to be short appointments. Right now, they're a little longer because they're still learning. Still the robot working. is mm-hmm. still working on speed and safety is always the highest concern. So they don't want to sacrifice safety for speed. So they're always going to make sure that the robot, everything is working right at the level. And then they're going to continue up the ante and up the speed. But for now, the robot's actually quite slow. So the appointments are longer, but once they get things where they want it, and the goal is 20 minutes in and out, like you walk in, the robot does 20 minutes. You may 
five minutes, let's say walk in, set up, five minutes on the wrap, but it's going to be a very short appointment. You'll probably be able to get in and out of the salon within 30 minutes, and that's the long-term goal. That's what they want to get to. They're just not there yet. So I just wanted to correct you. Actually, the robot isn't quite slow right now. Okay. It's still able to do it, but we're still refining. We're still refining it. Well, I'm saying slow mean like they're not at their 20-minute, no, you know, no. both eyes done right no, now. No. That's not where they're no, at no, no. yet, but that's their goal. So, by the way, people won't need to use our cell phones. They're not going to need all the little things that we have to deal with, like the hour and a half, two-hour appointments. It's a longer appointment. For these type of clients, it's going to be so quick and easy that they probably won't even care if they miss a, a phone call. That's the goal. So right yes. now, let's go back to the service. So the client is in the, like it's basically a chair. Yeah. And then you put them in. You push them forward. You raise the, the head up. You get them right into the- Robot. <laughs> I can't think opening, of the There's, a little, yeah, there's opening a little there. opening there. Opening there. there eyes, so yeah. they don't feel like they're enclosed. First yeah. of all, they don't feel like There's they're a lot closed. Of light too. You right? don't feel like you're closed. I've been in it too. When you close your eyes and get ready for your service, that's what it feels like for the client. Yeah. And they've got a cap on, so it's really easy to just you can as the esthetician, you can put your hand on their head and just gently turn it so that you can get it at the right angle the way that the engineer needs. Yeah. And like I said, this is just the first mock-up of the, the prototype of the technology. It's not going to be like this in yeah. the future. So then basically the computer vision does its calibration. Yeah. And at this point, what I do is I put my hand on the client's shoulder and I just said, I'm going to let you know before we make contact. And the prongs do a little dance over the eyes. But they're, they're not touching. And as soon as it gets right into position, what I do is I say, we're just about to make contact right about now. And as I'm doing that, I'm kind of s- signaling them by, by doing a couple little rapid squeezes on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then they hear a chime. It goes, doon, doon. and I'm squeezing their arm. And I say, right about now. And I give just a little bit more pressure. It's just a cue to know that the, you're going to feel the prongs right now. Yeah. And Which it's, aren't painful, but you no, just be aware just, that they're there. Just aware that they're there. It's like the First, sometimes you go and you start to touch the client's lashes with their tweezers and they kind of jump out. Startle them, (laughs) They startle. You got to let them know, right? Or you're rinsing their eye and you don't give them that warning and they jump a little bit. That's the kind of thing. So they don't do that if you put your hand on them. Mm -hmm. So there's this human touch that's really important. You're coaching them through the whole process. Yeah. One eye is done at a time. And right now we do 20 minutes per eye. And then afterwards, I'm looking at the bonds and I'm removing anything that's misplaced or not perfect, or maybe it's too high up, or maybe it's a little bit wonky. And I'm also giving feedback to the engineers about the quality of the bonds and how we can improve because every time we run the program, it improves. And then this is where the artistry comes in. Your All your good old fashioned skills is because we augment at the end. If the client needs a little bit more pop and it didn't turn out just the right way with the technology when I come in. And so right now I'm doing a little bit more just to make sure that the client is walking out full because we're still learning. But this is what you'd be doing too if you uh, were lucky enough to work at Loom. Yeah. Now, do you know... Is the plan always to have a stylist there? I know right now you have an engineer running the machine. You have you there working, kind of coaching and, and helping them at the end of the appointment, cleaning up, finishing it. Eventually, I know the, the engineer will be gone and the last stylist will be running the whole thing. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be a lot more refined. Yeah. It's going to be easier. They've changed some of the programming so it doesn't look like the matrix when you're looking at the computer screens, all this like science, like how in the world could I possibly understand that? Now they've made it like with easy buttons. You just push the button 
gotten here. Yeah. And so I've it's actually like choosing what soda you want. I yeah. want Coke. I want Pepsi. Yo, whatever. I felt so <laughs> proud of myself the first couple of times that I learned how to do that myself. But anyway, that is the future. So the esthetician, the beauty professional, the experienced slash artist is going to be the operator of the, of operate, the, yeah. of the technology. And it's going to be on a, like a little um, iPad. iPad. So you're going to be right there. You're going to put the client in. It's going to require using a different part of your brain because you have to, but it's, it's not it's going to be, be difficult. No. no, this will be very easy. They're going to make it very user friendly. Right. So you're going to be prepping the client. You're going to be putting them in. You're going to be putting the technology over afterwards. You're going to be checking. You're going to be adding anything that needs and to be fixing done. Fixing any bonds that are like maybe not quite right. Yeah. If you also, if it, to add specific pop in certain areas, eventually down the line that can all be programmed, but right now it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the experience. That is. And that's so right now what's exciting is that we got to be part of this whole fun project. It's been just a fun learning project and really surprising to see how far the technology can go because I think I was more skeptical. Tesla was like, ah, oh, they're going to do it. They're going like, to do it because I knew that, okay, so Paul's father worked for, he helped make one of the very first ultrasound machines. And yeah. he, like the Da Vinci, you could do a robot, you, you could do, do open heart surgery. We got to go into the lab and see that done. I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. By the way, guys, this is where you have to just accept technology and the advancement. As things evolve, you got to accept it because if you just fight it, you're going to become outdated and you're going to be one of the ones left behind. But if you embrace it and find a way to work with it, and by the way, let's just get into this should we be afraid of our jobs being gone now is this thing going to literally put everyone out of work 10 years from now no humans will be doing lashes only robots will be doing it and we'll just be a person that pushes a button that says play and then we sit there and read a book while they get their lashes no not at all i think that just adds a richer dimension and it allows more people to come to the table see let's take the scenario where it is wildly successful and it's actually revolutionary right and we see lash loom studios and on every corner. Yeah. Is that going to take away from the a traditional lash artist? Absolutely not. Because it's not going to be right for everybody. Oh. It's going to be right for a certain kind of client. Yeah. Right. So what I saw was that my sisters who are in with tweezers in their hands, who have hard fought and honed the skills and cultivated the skills that they have, it's actually going to give us all a raise yeah. because it's instantly going to make our bespoke skills with as a human being more desirable. For mm-hmm. example, there's a difference between a Kia and a Bentley right? Some people will always want a Bentley for that handcrafted. Some people will always want au couture where, where the clothes yeah. are designed for you, you know, that, and that is what we can offer. That's one aspect of what we can offer. The other aspect is that we can be part of the loom team. Mm-hmm. We can be part of using our skills for artistry and to place the lash extensions on with Loom, but the technology is going to be doing the brunt of the work. So you might be able to do three people in an hour where you'd only do one and still be able to give that gift of beauty to somebody. And, and still connect with people too. There's still absolutely. the human element. You can still talk to them. It's not like all of a sudden they're in a robot and they're in this bubble where you can't communicate or connect in any way. Right. And then for the client has more options. It's creating more opportunity. So it's allowing more people to come to the table and try lash extensions. Now, ladies, we all know that once you've been by that lash bug, there is no turning back. Once you see lashes on you, then it makes a difference. So somebody might come to and have their lashes done by the technology, but maybe it's not right for them. They might seek you out. 
So it yeah, just means that- Yeah, it's almost that- be like an introduction or a gateway drug, right? Get in for the robot, fall in love with lashes, and then you say, well, what's it like to go to a human and get a more personalized style made from a, a, a person? So it could even help, I, we think it may even expand our market, where right now only a certain segment will see it because they see the time, and like, oh, three hours, two hours, now I don't have time. But if you start seeing this new idea, like you can get your lashes done in 20 minutes. You guys, it's just another option. It really yeah. means that the lash industry has grown and we've really come to the table because we're being able to offer people other options. Think about a self-tan. You can put the self-tanner on yourself, but if you don't want that on your hands, you don't want the, the blotch marks on your ankles, you can go and have a spray tan. You can have a spray tan by a human being who customizes it. You can go in front of the mystic tan and just like a robot. It is the technology. Stand there and get sprayed by the technology, a robot. Or you can go to a salon and have a a person apply it. It's just options. options. It doesn't mean that it's going to eliminate your way of life. It just enhances it. It's an opportunity for us, for employment, for advancement, for more people to be exposed to it, all that good stuff. Yeah, I think this is a net win, and I think more people will be in the lashes, which means our market is going to grow. And then as people want to try new things, they'll move over and try a real lash artist who maybe in the past they wouldn't. And I think some people who want short appointments will leave lash artists and come over. By the way, I do think there is one group of people who might suffer from all this, and that those are the lash artists who have been mailing it in all these years, who've just been doing the bare minimum they maybe only haven't learned any new skills. Like they're like, I'm still doing classic. Like it's 2005 with two point two. Now, 0.25s. just to be very clear, there's nothing wrong with classic. I no. do classic all I'm the time. Point two fives. I'm saying like <laughs> no. real basic yeah. skill. Never investing in growing your skills or your customer service or your whole experience because you know you have your clientele list and you're just kind of mailing it in and you're not that evolving. Lash artist isn't even listening. To I know. The I was say you're not even you on know, this podcast. She's not on the podcast. Right she took a class once and she's just she's just kind of dialing it in. It's not that important. I'm not saying that's bad. It's just that her skills are not a priority to her because she doesn't invest in them. And she's not trying to grow. She's not charging probably a lot either. She's probably very affordable. And again, none of these are bad things in themselves, but when there's a new kid in in town who is going to be attracting new clients, and if you're just doing mediocre or, or below average work, you know what? You might lose some people. It raises the bar. It does. With new options there, it raises the bar and we all win. I think that's one of the things that I was really excited because I said, you know what? We're going to put a little fire in people's butts and make them have to be better artists now. So like I say, <laughs> if you don't care about your craft, if you kind of suck as a professional, yeah. then yeah, be worried. That girl's not that, even listening, not listening here. <laughs> for those of you guys out there who- You should be like, yeah, this is cool. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Tess, for helping push me to be a better artist though. <laughs> you know, I just see this as an opportunity. Yeah. Loom is going to provide lash artists with stability and the ability to get do their craft, make people feel wonderful, connect with people. And have that stability of clients coming to them. It's just a win. It's one for everybody. I think so. And I don't think we need to worry about the Terminator doing everyone's lashes Mm -mm. anytime soon. Maybe 50 years from now, when everything's automated in the world, like everything's automated, your car's automated, you're basically, I mean, I just saw today, there's a company now that has an AI write your blog post for you. You just pick the topic (laughs) and it makes a title. You put some keywords in use these keywords and it will write the blog for you. So now we even have uh, services will do your writing for you, which is crazy. I have almost intrigued. I just want to try to see what it's like. And as someone who writes all the time, you know what? 
I welcome it because it's just another tool, another opportunity. And so we need to stop being afraid of things coming and stealing our jobs. We need to adapt and pivot and adopt these new ideas. And just be open. These opportunities are around for everybody. One of the reasons why we talked about the glue and the cyanoacrylates, in the very beginning when we first started this, and that's what kind of attracted this conversation with Nate, was that my approach was a little bit different. So don't be afraid of embracing something different or questioning something because those kinds of differences can set you apart and make you more open to change, right? So if you see a post about, oh, this is a new way of doing things or you can wet your lashes or I can't think of, you know. Just change comes, guys. Yeah, be be open to it. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, those who embrace change are the ones who work another day, so to speak. And those who fight change over history, if you look at change and all that, are the ones who lose out, who don't have jobs. My dad had one of his closest friends. He didn't adapt to the digital age. He was really big in drawing and being a great artist back oh, in the 70s and 80s. Oh, let me tell you, he, he actually designed the, star, the original Star Wars 1976 logo. Star Wars logo, right? 77, by the way. And but, he, he was like, oh, no, I don't need to do that. Photoshop. The Photoshop, nope. because I'm so established. And it's going to change my business and it's going to hurt the way I do work and I don't want to do that. He didn't embrace it. And 10 years later, he couldn't find a job at all in the art world. It and was completely even though he went back to learn it, it was too, too late. late. He, he did finally cave in. But at that point, he was much older. And also so many other people had taken this place. That he, his rates were too high. Even if he learned the technology, he was like a beginner again. So he had to go back to beginner rates, which that's not what he wanted. And it was sad. It was very sad watching it. But you can't fight progress. You just can't. You have to embrace it. You need to adapt. You need to and just go with it and find a way to survive. And okay, you'll be all right. Just one example. We were recently watching Downton Abbey. I don't know if any of you guys are a Downton that's Abbey fans. That's an old person show. I love it. Okay, so anyway, one of the very first episodes, they were talking about electricity because they were just switching. Yeah. And very wealthy homes had electricity. And the matriarch of the family. She was old. She was born in the 1800s. She's just like, oh, I don't know about the vapors from the air. I don't know about this electricity. And I just, it's just so funny because no matter what the technology is, when you introduce something new, there are going to be detractors. Yeah. I remember movie theaters, uh, people were scared of the moving image. People would see like a train moving towards the, the screen and people in the audience would all duck and scream and then would like be like, like, what is this tool of the devil? Like, mm-hmm. right. It was like, it's, just, it's over and over, guys. It's going to capture your soul. Yeah. We, <laughs> the pictures. We, we could keep going on with these things, stories. There's so many of them. So maybe we should just listen to watch history and not repeat history here and realize that we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. It may look different 20 years from what it does now, but as long as you're willing to embrace that change, you're going to survive and you'll be good. You'll do well. Anyhow, guys, I know we went a little long in this episode, but I think it was important. And hopefully between this one, and if you haven't listened to the one just before this with Philippe from Loom Lash, where he kind of unpacks things from their perspective, hopefully these two things will book in real nicely. So you'll really get a better grasp of what is going on and why this is a net win for our industry and why this is something we should all be excited about. And otherwise, Tess, thank you so much for hanging out with me today and sharing all your insights and all that. Absolutely. Love you. All right, guys. We'll see you again soon. Hey, guys. That's a wrap. We are done. We are out. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. By the way, I just want to emphasize real quickly that, you know what? Some of you might be listening going, no, Paul, I'm not encouraged at all. That's actually pretty upsetting. 
I don't like you. <laughs> That's okay. You know what? You don't have to agree with us. You don't have to like what's going on with Loom. We can still be friends, guys. We can disagree. You, often we like just to see people in um, disagreement because that's how you wrestle through ideas and you find the better solution. And if you guys don't feel like this is good, that's okay. You can still come up, hang out with us, be friends. That's all right. We can disagree on things and still work in this industry together. And I hopefully you'll see feel the same way about us. If you've been following us for a while, you know that we are very much a big tent. We are not exclusive. Like you have to do lashes our way or think the way we do if you want to hang out in our tribe. No, no. No, no, we are really, we're not, we're not saving the world here. We are making the world a better place. We're making people feel beautiful. We're empowering people, but we're not curing cancer. We're not solving world hunger, right? So let's calm down about what we're doing. Let's, let's keep it in perspective and not draw lines in the sand and demonize other people because you disagree with them. And I see that sometimes in the lash forums on Instagram and it's heartbreaking. So I just want to reemphasize the importance of we are working here to bring you information so that we can be together and connected and support each other even when we disagree. By the way, guys, I just want to say please follow us on Instagram at Lashcast Podcast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. And remember to go get your day one ticket or your VIP or business ticket. They will be selling out, guys. So you do not want to wait. By the way, if you buy tickets now, they're at their lowest prices possible. And also, just go join and become a LashCast Insider. Like I said, links in the bio, on our show notes, or in our Instagram. And you can sign up and you will get a discount code on Friday morning that will allow you to buy the tickets even cheaper. So do not delay. Get on top of that as soon as possible. On behalf of my Lash Inspiration Testing, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.